Welcome to episode 15. So do you ever walk past a particular shop and you get the aroma, that beautiful aroma of something sweet and fatty and yummy and you just can't say no, you have to walk in or you go to the supermarket with the intention of only spending time in the produce section until you walk past the packaging that you recognize and you just have to have that chocolate. Does that happen to you? Well, maybe you should stick around for today's episode because I'm going to talk to you about why sugar is so addictive and the problems it causes and a few little tips to help you reduce sugar in your diet. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? How you doing? I hope you've had an awesome week. We had Eating Disorder Awareness Week last week and we had Steph Giorgio on the podcast. So I just want to do another thank you and shout out to her. That podcast received a lot of attention. So that was episode 14 for those wondering. Big shout out, big thank you. So today I'm talking about sugar. Sugar, sugar seems like a relevant follow-up to Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So I want to talk about this because I get a lot of questions about it. It contributes to most of the world's health problems and it is just so difficult to say no to, right? And it's the same for me. It's the same for me. I'm I'm a human as well. I'm a biological entity and, you know, virtually all people out there suffer the same fate when it comes to sugar in some way, whether it be small or large. And I'm actually currently, one of my methods to deal with it is fasting. I'm currently into a two-day water fast. I might go three days. I haven't decided yet, but I'm about, I'm at about 46 hours fasting right now. And that's one, one method that people use to detox their body from sugar is fasting. But anyway, I'm deep into that right now. So I want to talk to you whilst I'm buzzing because fasting gets me buzzing and gets most people energetic. I want to talk to you about sugar and why it's so addictive. So it is literally the enemy of our brain. And what do I mean by that? It literally hijacks our brain, our taste buds, our metabolism, and the way we think. So it is literally biologically acting when we ingest it. It's acting on the reward center of the brain. And what this means is that it gives you pleasure when you eat it. Right. So, and there are lots of different things in our in our lives that act on the reward center of our brain. It might be praise from uh, somebody we respect. It might be sexual activity. It might be all sorts of different foods and drinks and little pleasures or little activities that you might do that act on the reward center of the brain and give you pleasure. The thing with sugar is that it's so insanely accessible and gives your the pleasure center of your brain a massive hit, far greater than most other things for the payoff, right? For the exchange. So, just like anything you gain pleasure from, when you keep going back and forth each time, each time you need a little bit more to have the same experience, right? So, that's why sugar is addictive because we need to keep going back to get this reward and it's so easy and it's everywhere. So, we don't, you know, a lot of people love love coming out of the gym, right? They finish at the gym and they just feel great and it's a euphoric feeling for many people and it's actually... It was studied and, and looked at as one of the most useful ways to treat depression is physical, physical activity and working out at the gym. And, and this is why, but the payoff is 
you know, you've got to get changed, you've got to get to the gym, you've got to put in physical effort in order to experience that pleasure, right? So, the pleasure center receives a great amount of pleasure, but the payment or the cost that you make for that pleasure is huge. Whereas with sugar, the payment you make is virtually nothing, right? $2 maybe, $1, $2, $10, depending what you're buying, and you get that hit instantly and you get it at a great dosage, a huge dosage. So, just like all things, all drugs, all illicit drugs and substances we might get addicted to, whether it be a biological addiction or a psychological addiction, you know, to the to the physical experience or the routine, each time we need a little bit more to hit the same the hit the same level of pleasure. So, it, it acts in this, uh, and this reward center of the brain is very primitive. It's very much a part of our evolution. And the reason specifically with sugar that it's so bad is because, so I always, this is a point I always come back to, and you've probably already heard me talk about it on the podcast. So, human evolution, right? It's ha- taken millions of years to occur, millions of years. Social evolution happens extremely rapidly and social evolution does not in any way keep up with genetic evolution. What do I mean by that? I mean that the last genetic evolution was about, they predict, 350,000 years ago. The last social evolution was, well, there's lots of lots of arguments for that, but let's go with an obvious one. The introduction of social media, which happened in the last 10 or 20 years. And before that, you know, maybe computers were a mass- caused a massive social evolution. So, I'm just using these things as an example of, you know, people can remember in a single lifetime how many different so- social evolutions there have been in many, many different facets. And that's the same, exactly the same with our diet. So, we've had the social evolution of how to eat and quick meals and, you know, Uber Eats and pizza delivery and um, and that evolved from obviously cooking in your own kitchen, but that evolution only happened. That was a social evolution that happened only in the last 50 to 100 years. And in that time is when sugar has become highly accessible. It went from pretty much being in the early days, it was just a treat for wealthy people. Uh, and I'm talking about 200 years ago, it was a treat for wealthy people. And then out of nowhere, it became available to everyone instantly. So, that's the social evolution. Now, I want to talk genetic evolution in regards to sugar availability. So, we didn't develop a mechanism in our brain to tell us to stop eating sugar or that we are full of sugar. Why? Because sugar has only been readily available for the last 50 to 100 years. And actually, the mass production of sugar products really, really kicked off in the 50s. So, we haven't evolved since, you know, roughly 350,000 years ago to deal with sugar, the sugar that we're getting today, right? So, we don't have this mechanism in the brain that has evolved to say, well, stop eating sugar. You've had way too much. Any more than this will be detrimental to your health. We don't have that mechanism. Why don't we have that mechanism? Because before consumerism and commercialization of the food industry in the last 50 to 100 years, we rarely, rarely, rarely as humans, as animals in the world came across products or things or plants or sources in the wild that were super, super high in sugar. And if we did, it was usually maybe some type of fruit or a source of honey. And we would eat these things and until it was gone, you know, it causes an addictive response. So, we would eat it, lots and lots and lots of it, and then it would be gone. The source would be completely depleted. So, we didn't develop this mechanism in the brain to tell us to stop eating sugary things because we would usually 
find them on rare occasions, so not very often. And when we did find them, we finished them completely and then we, we, we ran out. Okay, so this is why we didn't develop that mechanism. That's why when sugar plays on the pleasure center of the brain, there's no other mechanism that jumps in and says, whoa, stop, you're going to get diabetes, right? So that is that is fundamentally why it is so addictive. Now, further into, into the biological side of why it's so addictive, it also keeps you hungry with an excess release of insulin. And when there is so much insulin in the blood... The brain actually cannot detect. It is literally numb to the leptin signal. So, leptin is the message that's being sent to the brain to say, hey, we're full. That's the satiety signal, right? So, it actually, the brain completely misses the leptin signal because it's drowned out by the insulin and therefore perpetuating more desire to eat sugar. And if you've gotten a hold of sugar, you're likely going to continue to fulfill that desire with whatever sugary good thing is in front of you, right? So, this is another way that biologically it plays into the addiction reality that many of us have when it comes to sugar. And it might shock you to realize that it is, sugar is actually eight times more addictive than cocaine. More, eight times more addictive than cocaine. So it's, it's extremely scary when you, when you put it in that kind of context. And, um, I've, I do presentations on this exact topic and I have, uh, I have some really good visual brain scans and showing the areas of the brain that different drugs light up or affect. And sugar is very much in line with a lot of illicit substances that cause some serious, serious problems to people's lives. And obviously, we wouldn't be having this chat today if sugar wasn't something that caused serious, serious problems to people's lives. So, which part of the brain does it impact? So, it I'll, I'll talk about this one mainly, and it's the hippocampus. So, what it does is it damages the hippocampus. It causes inflammation in this area of the, bl- of the brain, and that's the area of the brain that receives signals from your gut and also is uh, responsible or plays a major role in memory. So, there was actually a study done, and all the people included in this study were not actually overweight, but they did this. Uh, they exposed one group of people to uh, no sugar diet, one group the average consumption, and one group to a high sugar exposure diet and they tested their level of memory and they did this with tests and exams and again none of them were obese they were all skinny so it wasn't about it wasn't about physical it was testing their mental capabilities and was the idea was that across the board everybody physically was similar and they found that the high sugar intake group had the worst memory results and the people that didn't have the sugar had the best so it affects this area of the hippocampus and a Damaged hippocampus causes these feelings I mentioned before of hunger because the signals that are coming from the gut to tell your brain that we're full are drowned out or or the hippocampus becomes so damaged that it's completely desensitized to the signals that are being sent at all. And in the same process, it blunts dopamine release. So have you ever gone into your sugar coma? You've smashed a heap of sugar and a heap of food and then you, you just feel a bit blah afterwards you're like oh that so wasn't worth it well maybe you're deep into an addiction and potentially the thing is in the process of doing this you have blunted your dopamine release and this can have a lot of flow-on effects for mental health of course and when we talk about dopamine and happiness and that sugar blunts dopamine so you know you could argue that it has some kind of contribution to the depression and other anxiety issues as well so Um, Before I move any further, everybody's probably saying, what is sugar? 
what t- sugar are you talking about? So I just want to run through a quick list that you might see on any packaging, food labels, and I encourage you to turn over food labels when you buy things from the supermarket. So, you know, if they were, before I run through the list, did you know that if they were to remove every item from a supermarket that had added sugar... 80% of the products in the supermarket would be gone. Okay, so it's less than 20% of the products in the supermarket do not have added sugar. And you can eat a healthy, and I put in quotation marks, healthy diet. And I'm talking, you know, eating crackers and yogurt and, um, you know, dried fruit and all of these different things from packages in the supermarket. And they can actually be super loaded with sugar. Actually, I encourage you, there's an Australian guy that did a doco on this, on exactly that, where he ate a healthy diet as per advertising because the words like organic, natural, healthy, fiber, all of these things can be used in marketing in very tactful ways. So, he actually did it and it's called That Sugar Film. So, I highly recommend it because it shows you that even when you think you're eating healthy, you're probably not. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Anyway, so this list of sugars that you need to look out for that's contributing negatively in most cases to your health. All right, so we've got corn syrup. We've got fructose or fructose. We've got galactose, glucose, high energy fructose corn syrup. That's a huge killer, especially in America. Lactose, maltose, sucrose and a plethora of other different deviations of these types of things and but those are the main players and they're the ones you need to look out for that are potentially or very likely contributing negatively to your health Um, but obviously these foods are very hard to escape and we can do the best we can but how much sugar should we be having each day so i've got a couple of different numbers here i got a couple of numbers for people in the u.s because i have a lot of listeners in the u.s shout out to you guys thank you and i've got some australian numbers so all right this is uh this is scary to say the least all right so the recommendations for both uh, australia and the us are, are fairly similar so they say for men that they should aim for less than 37.5 grams of sugar per day or that's 9 teaspoons right and women they say about 25 grams or 6 teaspoons that 
is what the authorities encourage as a, a safe and healthy amount to stay below. Uh, my personal thought is that if that's what the authorities are telling us, then the actual amount is probably less than that. But here is, keep in mind those numbers. Now, when I tell you the numbers, okay, this is American, all right? So, we've got the average American consumes 17 teaspoons, so that's 71.1 grams every single day, right? 17, that's at least at least double the recommendation and in many cases remember that's the average american so you've got 50% of people consume way more than that and you've got 50% of people who consume less than that right and that that translates for the americans um i'm australian so i'm on the metric system so these numbers mean nothing to me but that translates to about 57 pounds of sugar per year just imagine that sitting in front of you, just a giant pile of white substance, right? And according to the most recent national survey in Australia, which was published in 2018, Australians consume more than the recommended amount on a daily basis. Surprise, we're just like most nations in the world. Um, it is a little less than America though. So on average, we consume 60 grams or 14 teaspoons of added sugar per day, which is about 22 kilograms per year. So it's a, a shit ton of sugar that we're consuming, right? And it contributes to all sorts of problems. And what are those problems? Well, you probably know a bunch that are really obvious. So, of course, it increases the risk of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, uh, sugar interferes with your immune system. A high sugar diet often results in a chromium deficiency and chromium deficiency means or chromium in the body is used for fat and carb metabolism as well as cholesterol synthesis. So, you can see how this directly plays into the likes of obesity obesity and diabetes, having a chromium deficiency, uh, sugar, massive sugar consumption accelerates aging, sugar causes tooth decay and gum disease, as of course you're aware, uh, Alzheimer's and even contributes to problems with cancer. So actually on the, on the Alzheimer's thing, it's becoming more and more common that uh, people in the Alzheimer's space are referring to Alzheimer's as type 3 diabetes. So sugar also breaks down the lining of the gut, causes leaky gut, and it can influence the quality of your offspring. So, pregnant people or people that are planning to have a baby, obviously, you are the physical fuel for that baby. You are the life of that baby. So, if you're putting crap into your face, then the cells that your your baby is built with will be built from the same crap. So, it's the same with sugar. The quality of your offspring is influenced by sugar and by the type of diet that you have. And, of course, it can cause all of these little problems and sugar consumption can just be the precursor to a ton of other diseases. So, all of these things can influence you negatively, but it can just have a flow-on effect for what terrible thing is next, right? So, there's a plethora of crappy things out there and the rate at which obesity and weight issues and anxiety and cancer and diabetes are skyrocketing when sugar is the problem. And keep in mind, I talked the, on the, the fat podcast, which is actually the most li- listened to episode so far. Um, I talked about Ansel Keys, how he talked, he produced the research in which he you know, demonized fat. There was actually scientists at the time challenging him that were silenced saying in the 50s that sugar was the problem. And there's been those scientists 
ever since. So the last 60 to 70 years, people have been saying that sugar is the problem. And what did we see in the last 50 to 60 years? We saw everybody get really fat. We saw diabetes become a worldwide problem. We saw cancer be almost be at one in two. Like, you know, and th- this has been going on since fat was demonized and sugar was given the all clear, so to speak. But finally, we're jumping on the bandwagon, which is more beneficial to people. That is, that is sugar is really the culprit or at least a major culprit in health problems. So, what are we going to do about it? So, can we reduce... Can we reduce it or cut it out? Well, as I said, you can, but you've got to be smart about how you go about it because less than 20% of the food in the supermarket does not have added sugar. So, you really need to stick with whole real food. But you have to deconstruct the programmed response. And what do I mean by that? I actually had a particular thing with a client where he would walk home and he would always get a donut. And it was just an automatic thing and he'd eat the donut and re- like not really realize how it all happened. And we literally interrupted that cycle by just walking an additional block or diverting the route home or the route home so that he did not have a donut. And often the, he would get home and not even think about the donut. The brain actually clumps these activities together to run things on autopilot because the body and the brain always want to reduce energy expenditure and they clump activities that we do together so that they run on autopilot and you therefore you don't want to have your sugar cravings lumped in with these autopilot responses. So interrupt your normal autopilot sugar consuming behaviors with a new behavior that sends you down a path where you don't end up eating the high sugar food. And so just before we go, I've got a few little tricks here, which are little easy substitutes that you can implement to help reduce your sugar intake. All right. So we've got sugar filled drinks, which are the biggest culprit, especially in America, soda, swap that out for water. Next, fruit juice, swap it for a smoothie. Fruit juice is literally the horrible kind of sugar. I did a few posts about this on Instagram a while ago. Uh, Fruit juice, commercialized fruit juice, terrible for you. Swap it for a smoothie that it was made from whole real food. Why? Because you need the fiber to go in. You need the fiber that goes in with the sugar, right? So swap out fruit juices, get rid of them, swap in smoothies. So sauces and dressings, you need to swap them for spices and herbs, right? They're so much more flavorsome when it's spices and herbs. I highly, highly recommend spices and herbs over sauces. There's, it's such a different experience and your tongue and your palate will thank you for it. And sauces and sauces, mayo, dressings are loaded with sugar. So we need to cut them out. Where, where you're buying things that say reduced fat, buy the full fat version. Why? Because... Fat isn't as bad as you think. It was demonized incorrectly a long, long time ago. But often when you have reduced fat, what they do to make sure that the flavor is the same and the texture is the same is they replace that missing fat with sugar, right? So go to the full fat option. It's likely to be slightly better for you and have slightly less sugar. And canned food. Swap it for fresh food. There's often sugars that stay in there that act as preservatives or that aid in preservation and also a bunch of other different chemicals as well that we could talk about, but there's often they often sit in sweetened juices in order for that to seep into the product so that it tastes good, right? Swap that out for fresh food, right? My rule all the time, you would have heard me say this before, whole real food. Don't stray from that, okay? All the good sugars and natural sugars that you need 
come from whole real food. And keep in mind, just a quick side note before we wrap up, that uh, flour and carbohydrates break down into sugars. Yes, they are just complex sugars. So you also need to be smart about where you're getting your carbs from. Again, whole real food has all the carbs you need, right? All right, so is sugar bad? Well, in a nutshell, yes. It's like any illicit drug. And in fact, it seems as though sugar contributes to far, far, far more health problems than any illicit substance. So if you have sugar, unfortunately, physically and mentally, you will pay the cost. All right. Remember, we're healthy friends, right? So we're going for the whole real food. We're going healthy and we're going to live our life as a happy, healthy human. All right, I'm going to wrap up, guys. I appreciate you jumping on here. So, as always, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, hit subscribe on whichever app you use. And if you think somebody could get something out of this or you want to share it with somebody that you care about, please take a screenshot. And the best way to share it is to put it in your Instagram story. Tag me at Maddie Lansdowne. And I know if you're listening that we are totally vibing on the same wavelength. So I would love to connect with you. All right, guys, I'm out. I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.